This is part two and the concluding episode of Yikes! A Treasure Map is Trying to Kill Me. If you haven't listened to part one yet, please consider pausing this message and playing episode one of this podcast, entitled Story 1A Start. There are a lot of important details in that episode that may help you determine if Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency is a good fit for your fiasco. Thank you. Thank you for calling Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. Please leave a message with a detailed account of your odd or unusual occurrence. If you are calling back, please continue your message without fear that this machine will run out of tape again. Be sure to include a postal address so further information or instructions can reach you free of eavesdropping ears. Hello again. My name is Mark Wright. I think your machine cut me off. A message said for me to call back. So that's what I'm doing. I really need your help, Mr. Erie. I'm in a lot of trouble. I'm not sure when your machine stopped recording. So let me just give you the short version of what I said. I'm in eighth grade at the Melody Bay All Grade School, home of the bilge pumps. I play in a band. I was trying to write a battle of the band song to beat this annoying new girl named Cassidy Gray. All day at school, I tried to come up with a good tune, but I couldn't. Then, after lunch, when I was walking by the library, the perfect tune entered my head. I don't read or write music, at least not as well as Cassidy, who can just figure out how a song should go. Being stuck at school, I decided to hum the tune so I'd remember it until I could go home and figure it out by ear. Unfortunately, I got sent to the principal's office, and on the way, I stopped humming and forgot the song. On the way back from Principal Ralston's office, I almost knocked over a bookshelf in the library. A blank piece of parchment fell out from a book and landed on the floor in front of me. On that parchment were 13 musical notes. I was pretty sure they were the same notes I'd been humming all day. The notes I needed to beat Cassidy Gray. I folded up the parchment paper and waited for the bell so I could go home. And well, here's what happened when I did. I rode onto our driveway and across the lawn toward the front door. When I got close, I jumped off, letting my bike ghost ride into the bushes. I was so excited to play the song, I nearly forgot to open the front door. In my room, I found my keyboard, resting on its side next to the desk I was supposed to do homework on. I mostly used the desk for writing songs and drawing the occasional picture. Did any kid use their homework desk for actual homework? I bet Cassidy Gray did. Her room was probably spotless and filled with trophies from all her musical achievements. All I had was a used guitar and a keyboard. And, truth be told, it's not even a good keyboard. It doesn't have full-size keys or realistic sounds, but it's good for figuring songs out, and that's exactly what I plan to use it for. I walk toward my desk like a concert pianist ready to perform a magnum opus. A magnum opus is like the most important song of a musician's career. And I just knew the 13 notes on the parchment paper I'd found were the beginning of what would become mine. The keyboard made a clunk as I placed it keys side up on my desk. I sat down and placed the parchment paper on this little fold-out wire thing. 
I doubt anyone with this model keyboard used sheet music, but hey, it was another feature they could add to the side of the box. Comes with professional sheet music stand. Right, professional. It's funny because for a second I imagined myself sitting down and just playing the song cold. I wish, but I'd never learn to read sheet music. Don't worry, I keep a copy of Denise Alfred's Learn to Play the Recorder in Just Six Weeks nearby. In fourth grade, we had a month of music classes. They gave us these flute-looking plastic recorders to play on. I loved mine. I was really upset when I learned I couldn't keep it. I'd even used my birthday money to buy the Learn to Play the Recorder book. After several pages about the author and the joys of music, there was a page I had bookmarked. The page broke down the music staff into pictures a fourth grader could understand. Even now in eighth grade, anytime I need to see where certain notes are, I use my recorder book. I missed playing the recorder. I think I was pretty good at it. I worked through the 13 notes, writing down what they were so I'd know which piano keys to press. Then I practiced the tune with the keyboard off. For some reason, I wanted the first time I played it with sound to sound good. When I was sure I had the notes nailed, I powered on the keyboard. I pictured myself on stage at Battle of the Bands. I pictured Cassidy Gray standing off to the side. I could see her crossing her fingers, hoping I'd mess up or play something terrible. Then I let go of all thoughts and played the notes. And let me tell you, Mr. Erie, I didn't mess up, and it was beautiful. The notes were deep, haunting, and like your name, Erie. As I played, my heart began to race because I was playing something no one had ever heard before. I was playing the tune that would put my name on the map. The sequence of 13 notes ended with an unresolved run down the keyboard. But when I got to the last note, something happened. Something strange. The moment I pressed down on note 13, which was a B-flat, thunder erupted outside my window. At first I thought it was the keyboard. I checked to make sure I hadn't selected the weather sound setting, but the keyboard was still set to piano. Just then, a gust of wind blew open my windows, sweeping the sheet music off my keyboard and pinning it to my ceiling. A second later, the gust died, and the sheet music fell to the floor like a heavy feather. The parchment landed note side down. I know this because I was looking at the blank side, the side without any notes on it. Then the strangest thing happened. You know when you hold a match flame to a piece of paper? You have to hold it a few inches away. If you get the distance just right, after a few seconds, the paper will turn brown and then black. Well, that's what happened. All of a sudden, dark lines appeared on the back of the sheet music. When the image was done appearing, I took a good look at it, rotating the paper around to figure out which side was up. Then I saw it, and you'll never believe what it was. It was an outline of Melody Bay, the hills, Minor Cove, Treble Cliffs. It wasn't very detailed, but the whole town was there. Then a dashed line appeared, and I followed it with my eyes. It led to a spot just outside of town, maybe a half mile or so, where a dark X appeared on the paper. You know what they say about X's on maps, Mr. Erie? They make you rich, but only if you find them first. Deep down, I felt something strange. I'm ashamed to say this, but for the first time since fourth grade, I stopped caring about music. I imagined myself with untold wealth. I stopped thinking about music and started dreaming about what I was going to do with whatever I found where X marked the spot. I folded the map up and put it in my pocket. There was no way I could go look for the treasure now. Not in broad daylight. I'd have to wait. And wait is just what I did. Finally, a few hours later, after my parents went to bed, I was in the clear.
The fortune couldn't wait for me any longer. I opened my bedroom window and creeped down the roof. Using the rain gutters as handholds, I lowered my feet onto the fence and then hopped down to the ground. My bike was still in the bushes. I waited for a breeze to blow the leaves and then removed it. The evening air felt good as I pedaled away from my house. It felt like an adventure. It also felt a little scary. I wasn't a sneak-out kind of kid, but there I was. On my bike, treasure map in my pocket, riding towards downtown. It's funny how you can look at something and think you have it memorized, only to forget it the moment you take your eyes off it. It happens to me all the time in school. It also happened that night. I'd studied the treasure map for the last few hours. I knew where that dashed line started and where X marked the spot. Could have drawn it from memory, or so I thought. But as soon as I was en route, as soon as it became for real, I forgot every detail. No problem, I thought. I'll find an out-of-the-way streetlight and recheck the map. And when I got onto Main Street, that's just what I did. Downtown was foggy. I could have stopped anywhere and no one would have seen me. But I chose the alley behind Melody Mints. It's a gift shop, and in the alley behind the store there's a security light. I stopped my bike and pulled the map from my pocket. I looked at the 13 notes. Earlier in the day, the notes were so important to me. Now, all I could think about was treasure. I flipped the parchment over to check my route, but much to my dismay, the back of the parchment was blank. What in the Melody Bay Bat Poop? I said out loud, and probably using a word other than poop. Where was the map? What happened? Did it rub off on my jeans? I turned the parchment back over and discovered something else. Something that caused me full-scale panic. The 13 notes were starting to fade. Call it musician's instinct or something, but I knew I had to play them again before they were gone completely. Where was I going to find an instrument at this hour? I certainly wasn't going home. Wait, what about Melody Mints? Didn't they have a piano out front? I was sure they did. It was missing some keys, but I thought it would work. I rode around front and was relieved to see the old piano sitting next to the gift shop's front door. I pulled out the parchment. The notes were all but gone. Think, Mark. Think. What were the notes? Why was it so hard for me to memorize things? I put my fingers on the keyboard and stared at the parchment. Even though it was nearly blank, looking at the musicless sheet helped me remember the notes. I began to play and the notes came to me, all thirteen and without mistake. And when I hit the last key, just like the first time, a clap of thunder echoed through Melody Bay. A surge of electricity ran through my body as the notes reappeared on the parchment. Thank goodness, I said. I flipped the sheet over to see if the treasure map had returned. And Merry Melodies, it had. All of it was there, even the big black X. But hold on, I thought. Wait, just wait a minute. Wasn't the X in a different spot before? Wasn't it outside of town, past Billow's Spire? The X had moved, or at least I thought it had. It certainly wasn't in town before, but now it was. The X marking the spot was close, just across the street. I flipped the map back over to the notes. Did I play them wrong? I don't know why I didn't notice this at first, but when I flipped the parchment over, there were more than just notes on it. Words now appeared above the notes. And those words sent a waterfall of chills down my spine. Lyrics, I thought. And they said, Dead men tell their tales through songs of chorus and verse. You played a dead man's notes, 
Now you'll have his curse. I shivered. What had I done? Dead man's notes? Curse? All of a sudden, I wanted to go home. I didn't want to be rich. I didn't want to be a famous musician. I just wanted to go back to the start of the day, before I'd played the song, before I'd met Cassidy Gray. Honestly, I felt like I was going to cry. I didn't. Not because I'm above crying, but because just as I was about to, I heard the sudden squawking of seagulls. Not one or two. It was hundreds, maybe even thousands. Those foul birds were surrounding something, like a tornado of gulls. A sudden bank of fog engulfed the area below the birds. It was a dark fog, like the blackest rain cloud you'd ever seen, only smaller and swirling around just above the ground. Thunder clapped from inside it. I jumped. My heart raced. Seconds later, the squawking stopped. A loud swoosh filled the air as the gulls flew away. I looked into the fog but couldn't see anything. Was it moving towards me? If it was, it was moving slowly. I looked at the map on the parchment. The X was still there, but sure enough, it was moving. Now, this was probably obvious to you. Maybe you figured it out when I first played the notes, but it takes me a while to catch on, and it wasn't till that moment that I realized it. I wasn't looking for the X on the map. The X on the map was looking for me. And now it had found me, just outside Melody Mint's gift shop. As terror and panic set in, the map fell from my hand. I took several steps back. Then the fog crackled and began to moan. It sounded like a foghorn, but deeper, and it didn't stop. I thought about running. I thought about getting on my bike and taking off. But it's hard to plan an escape, especially when you don't know what you are escaping from. The moan from the fog changed pitch as it moved. I yelled at it. Stop right there. I can't be sure, but it sounded like something inside the fog hissed a long and slow word. And that word sounded like, no. Just then I felt a sudden prick of fear. It wasn't the no, it was the fog. Something or someone had stepped out from inside it. A towering figure, the size of two Lenny Burls. It was wrapped in dark clothing that moved as if it were underwater. Was the figure human? I didn't know. The moan changed again and I could see the figure floating towards me. Floating, I said. Probably not human. I know it's an obvious conclusion, but when you're terrified, the littlest discoveries give you some sense of control. The air around me grew cold. A new moan came from the figure. It was deep, but I recognized it now. I recognized what the moaning was. The creature was moving to the sound of the song. I was paralyzed with fear, but it's amazing how becoming more scared can jolt you into action. And that's what happened. A cold flutter of air flipped up my hair, and in my ear I heard a whisper. It said, Here comes the curse, all dressed in black. You played the notes and can't take them back. The words were cold in my ear. My heart froze. At that moment, I dropped everything and ran. I didn't pick up my bike. I didn't look back for the parchment. I just ran. I just didn't know where I was running to. I thought about screaming, but who'd hear me? Downtown was deserted. I raced down Arpeggio Avenue to where it forks. Thought about making the left to the boat launch, but what? I mean, was I going to try and outswim this thing? I hooked right and sprinted away from town. The melodic moaning faded as I put distance between myself and the floating figure. I slowed down to walk. Could I get home? 
Was home even the right move? Do you know how much trouble I'd get in for being cursed? Or worse, what if the figure cursed my whole family? No, I couldn't go home. I was going to have to hide until morning. Yeah, morning. That was it. That was the plan. The fog would burn off. Everyone would see what was chasing me and someone, someone would help me. Or maybe this figure wouldn't want to be seen by others and it would glide off. I just had to stay hidden till morning. I walked past an alley. It was dark. Crab pots and nets lined the sides. Perfect for hiding, I thought. I crept down the alley until it came to an end. There was a door there, the back door to one of the shops. I grabbed the handle and twisted it. It was locked. The only way out was the way I just came. I wasn't going back out to the main street, no, not with that thing out there. I found a heap of netting and I pushed my body into the corner of it. My breathing slowed and I could hear waves not far away. They crashed against the shore and hissed as they retreated to the sea. I used to like the sound of waves, not anymore. For in between them, I heard the moaning song of the floating figure. It grew louder and louder with each crashing wave. He or it was coming for me. My only hope was that it would pass by. Then I had a terrible thought. The map. I'd left it back at the gift shop. If that figure had the map, it would be easy to find me. Just follow the dashed line away from the X and there you'd find a mark. And that mark was me. Why'd I drop that map? Why did I even mess around with it in the first place? Again, I felt like crying or screaming, but I didn't. Because at that moment, the melodic moans were passing by the open end of the alley. I saw the figure float by like a sailboat on a gentle sea. Then there was a note, a note that was out of key. I looked up. A single seagull had landed right above me on a building's edge. It cooed over and over. Hey you, hey you, hey you, shush, I said, go away. But it just kept cooing. Hey you, hey you. I'd had enough of this bird. I stood up and waved my arms at it. Or should I say I tried? My left arm was caught on some netting. When I waved it at the seagull, I yanked the netting which knocked over a stack of crab pots. A burst of deep, melodic tones came from the street. I looked up and saw the figure. It was coming down the alley towards me. I turned toward the door and tried the handle again. Still locked. The moaning grew louder. The air was cold. I could feel the figure. It was right behind me. This song is yours, it said in an icy whisper. Play it or be cursed. I turned to face the figure. That was the first time I really saw what it was. An old man, or at least what was an old man long ago. His face was torn. It drooped like waterlogged pizza dough. He was wearing a black seafaring coat torn to rags. There was nothing where its eyes should be. Startling as that was, it wasn't what surprised me. It was his hat, a weather-beaten tricorn. You know the kind, the type pirates wear. But in the middle of this hat, Right where the skull and crossbones should be, this hat had something peculiar. A bilge pump. Why was our school's mascot on this ghastly figure's hat? I didn't know, and I didn't have time to think about it. The man raised his arms toward me and spoke. Where you be going with my treasure? It asked. I didn't answer. My song be started when you played what was read. Finish my tune or dance with the dead. My heart pounded. Finish its tune? What did that mean? Just then, I felt ice on my neck and it burned like fire. A bony grasp was stretched out for my throat. I put my foot on the door and pushed off it into the cursed man. He floated backward. Then I leaned forward, 
bashing into the door as hard as I could. It broke open and I fell through it. A series of out-of-tune notes played when I hit the floor. And when I pushed myself up, my feet made muffled cymbal sounds. The music store, of course. I was in Cassidy Gray's music store. I pushed past the instrument to a set of stairs that led down. It was dark down there, but I didn't care. I ran down them, away from the alley, and away from the man. The planked wood stairs creaked as I ran down them. I was shuffling my feet so fast I missed a plank. I took a hard step to catch my balance, and when I did, a cracking sound filled my ears. And then, the sensation of falling. I tumbled forward right off the plank onto the floor. It wasn't a far fall, and I hit what felt like dirt. There was enough light to see, but it wasn't coming from outside. There were torches on the walls. I was in some sort of basement cave. No instruments around, or none that I could see. I scanned for an exit, a door, or maybe another stairway, but there was nothing. I'm trapped, I thought. I hoped for a second that the man wasn't allowed in music stores. Maybe that was a thing. Like, music stores were a sigil of protection or something. Then I heard a low moan and I knew that wasn't true. It grew louder as the man came down the stairs. A second later, his form entered and cast a shadow on the back wall. He chuckled a deep, throaty kind of chuckle as he approached me. Good to be back in the shop, he said. Trapped and out of options, I finally found the courage to talk back. Who are you? I asked. What do you want with me? His eye holes glowed again. Have you not heard? I'm the reason for everything you know. I stepped back from the man. You're... I paused to think, you're the pump guy, you went crazy, you drowned, I mean, you're dead. He chuckled again. No, he said. Those are the things that'll be happening to you, my boy. Today, right now, unless you finish the tune. What tune, I said. He moved closer and whispered at me. The Curse of Allard Greybeard, written by the billows that sunk me. I don't know that song, I said. At that point in time, I couldn't even remember the first 13 notes let alone a song I'd never heard. Well then, the man said, it sounds like it's time to die. He reached his arms for my throat and then began to hum. It was a deep, raspy hum. His breath smelled of rotting seaweed, I felt an icy grasp wrap around my neck, but just then I heard a voice and his hand released. Stop, the voice said, stop. It was coming from the top of the stairs. A few seconds later, a figure emerged from the stairwell. It was holding out a hand and pointing a finger with black nail polish towards the man. It was Cassidy Gray. You stop it right now, she said. The man hissed and turned toward her. The boy is mine, he said. She reached into her pocket and pulled something out. Not if he plays. Into the air, she tossed an object. I thought it was a sword or dagger at first. It was shiny at the tip and wrapped in brown and yellow at the bottom. I don't know how to sword fight, I thought. But when I caught it, I knew just what it was and it wasn't a weapon. It was a silver recorder with the parchment wrapped around it. Play it, she yelled. Play the song. I opened the parchment. At first, I was relieved to find Cassidy had added to the 13 notes. She'd added 11 new ones, but the relief didn't last because she hadn't written down what the notes were. I can't read music, I shouted back. Yes, you can, she said. Every good boy does fine. 
All of a sudden, I could see it. Page 7 of Denise Alfred's Learn to Play the Recorder in Just Six Weeks. It was all right there in my head. I could read music. I put the recorder to my mouth, just as I had when I first fell in love with music. I pushed air into the instrument and moved my fingers. All of a sudden, I wasn't in eighth grade, worried about my future. In that instant, I was back in fourth grade, doing something I loved, simply because I loved it. I played the notes, 13 to set the curse, 11 more to break it. When I played the last note, the man screamed and moaned in tune with it. His clothes spun around, and a dark cloud enveloped him. The parchment was swept out of my hand and pulled into the fog. Then, everything stopped. There was complete silence. No waves, no gulls, no music. The parchment fell to the ground. Cassidy and I met at it. I bent over and picked it up. It's blank, I said. Is that good? She asked. Yeah, I said. I think so. Cassidy let me out of the store through the front. The sun was coming up. I wanted to stay and talk, but I also had to get home, and my bike was parked in the road a few blocks away. As I left the used music store, Cassidy pointed at the parchment. What are you going to do with it? She asked. I don't know, I said. I don't know exactly what it is. She offered to keep the parchment in the store, but I didn't think it should be around musicians. I hoped that was right. So there you have it, Mr. Erie. I'm in the possession of a piece of sheet music, which I have reason to believe is cursed. Or was cursed. I really don't know. And I wouldn't have called, but a few days ago a musical note appeared on the parchment. And then yesterday a few more appeared. A tune is being written, and it looks to be a good one. I need your help because... I know this sounds crazy, but I really want to play the tune. I want to hear what the notes sound like just one time, please. Help me out, Mr. Erie. What should I do? Dear Mr. Wright, thank you for calling Mr. Erie's disturbing detective agency. I hope you are still planning to play in the Battle of the Melody Bay bands because that would mean 12 o'clock Soda Pop is still together and you are going to need them to help sort all this out. In fact, you are going to be adding a new member and hopefully soon. For now, put the parchment inside a box of fish sticks and stick that box in the back of your freezer. In black marker write the words, for a school project, do not eat on the box so no one in your house disturbs them. This measure should decrease the effects of the cursed paper until we have time to contact the other party involved. Rest assured, Mr. Wright, you will be hearing from us again. Until then, practice. You have a big show coming up and the fate of Melody Bay relies on you playing it. In good standing, Mr. Erie, chief uncover ear of the odd and unusual, Mr. Erie's disturbing detective agency. While that concludes another message from Mr. Erie's mystery series, it's not the end of our appointment. I am pleased to announce that our detective agency is now accepting new recruits. Your first step to becoming an Erie enlistee is to leave a five-star rating of this message or, if you prefer, a written review. Thank you for listening. We wish you an undisturbing day.